so, good evening. Good evening. Thanks for coming. Fourth shower of nectar, fourth cloud bank of Vishwanath Chakravarti's Madhurya Kadamani. And this is a very short but refresh, refreshing shower. Dealing with the stage of Nista. Actually, the prose here is uh, broken down into simply uh, uh, three explanations, and then the author moves on to the stage of taste, ruchi. So he begins the fourth shower uh, by quoting a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. Now it's very interesting that we find the, as you know, the core around the core text around which all of our practice revolves is Srimad Bhagavatam. It's very difficult to to pull out the essence of what's being presented there without uh, some very detailed realization and uh, expert guidance. But we do find in the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, in the second, very second chapter, the same presentation as Srila Rupa gives in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu of the progressive, sta- progressive, progressive stages of devotional practice. So we chant this verse every class, the Tao, Shraddhat Ta Sadhu, Sangotha Bhajanakriya, and it goes through progressively Shraddha, Sadhu Sangha, Bhajanakriya, Anarthanivriti, clearing away, Nista, becoming steady in practice. Ruchi, developing a real taste. Uh, Asakti, having some taste for Krishna himself. I mean, Ruchi is a taste for the, for the practice, a taste that, that is more enduring than the taste of material enjoyment. At the stage of Ruchi, the sadhaka is, uh, has given up material, material aspiration, material taste, as exemplified by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's fourth verse of success. I have no desire for women. I don't want wealth. I don't want a prestigious position. I actually don't even care for liberation. So it must be one heck of a good taste to be able to walk away from all that and and move and just be fully situated in, in, in a spiritual practice that's nourishing and uh, fulfilling it at all times, all stages, uh, from getting up in the morning to, uh, uh, you know, even resting at night. It's all pleasurable for the devotee who's reached the stage of ruchi. He's free. He's free. He's, he's becoming free. In fact, the anarthas are falling away there. It's very, very pronounced. Uh, practically all the anarthas, as Vishwanath has explained in the third cloud bank he's, he's broken down the, the way in five stages these anarthas dissipate so at the stage of ruchi they're either absolutely gone or uh, practically gone except for there's still a possibility of, of some, some 
apparatus, some performing our service in an unsatisfying way. Rod, rada, satisfying, aparad. Not satisfying, not pleasing, not pleasing to Krishna. So, we can just imagine. So these, these verses, this verse from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which gives us this progressive <clears throat> stages of devotional practice from Ruchi to Asakti. Asakti, above Ruchi, not only is it satisfying, but you're starting to realize from where all that satisfaction is coming. You're starting to really appreciate Krishna, his qualities, his form, his nature, his pastimes, in a very profound way, so much so that you're having an attraction uh, to to serve him in a particular manner. Uh, so we're starting to really develop our spiritual self at the stage of a sakti. Uh, material life has fallen away and we now have something to aspire for. And uh, it's more than just the pleasure of the practice itself that comes in ruchi. It's a, pra- it's a practice, it's a desire that that is starting to really become focused on Krishna and his attributes, his characteristics, and those particular characteristics or certain ones are, are starting to really grab us, really pull us into a, to a uh, profound relationship and a lasting service uh, with Krishna. Prem, Prem is, you know, is the highlight of it all, but before there, there's bhava. Bhava is, it's, you're starting to become really overwhelmed by, by spiritual emotion. Uh, so much so that uh, people can't understand. You know, and that's why the devotees, especially those devotees who are, you know, still uh, exhibiting a sadhaka day in, in such a way that they can, they can serve uh, Krishna on this plane, they, they hide that. They hide all that. Uh, for the most part. Sometimes you'll see a little come out from time to time, very rarely, but uh, uh, they, uh, they do not uh, let their bhava uh, and emotional, emotional uh, feelings uh, uh, overflow uh, in public. It would be uh, an exhibition that hardly anyone would understand from a materialistic point of view. So it's uh, it's done in the Gambira, it's hidden away. Only a few people are allowed in who know what's going on, can nourish it in, in a way that's really fruitful to the devotee. So, um, this progressive is also given in Srimad Bhagavatam. And it's given in the, in the second chapter by uh, Sutta Goswami in speaking to the sages in Namasaranya. And Vishwanath Chakravarti, he, he begins his explanation of, of nista, of steadiness, by looking at the verses from that chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam that Sutta spoke that give highlight to the stage of anista bhajana kriya, unsteady devotion, and gradually the withdrawal, the the 
the diminishing of anartha to the point where the practice becomes steady. So those verses, seventeenth uh, and eighteenth verse, Shrinvatam Swakatha Krishnam, Punya Shravanakirtanam, Hudyanchastyohyad Badrani Vidubnoti Suritstam. So let's look at them. There's a lot there. Shrinvatam Swakatha Krishna. So, what are we doing at the stage of Bhajana Kriya? We're engaging in, in hearing and chanting. So, when we've developed an urge to do that, we've associated with the sadhus, we've met a specific sadhu generally who, who's just, we're overwhelmed by, uh, by uh, uh, the, what we see in him. And we ourselves. Uh, the seed is planted, the, the aspiration is planted. And it's an interesting seed because the aspiration is coming to us by the intent of the sadhu. Uh, and that intent on his part creates an intent on our part to follow in his footsteps, to engage in the process. And that's what we're talking about when they speak of the Bhakti Lata Beach. Bhakti Lata Bij is, is planted. When it's planted, what, what are we meaning? We're meaning that the sadhu has some intent for your well-being. He's coming and he's, he's providing a, a, a gracious gift of bhakti. And as we've explained, this, this gift is specific to the sadhu. He gives it. It's a unique, independent nature of bhakti. So independent that it appears to be independent of Krishna. In that Krishna, if he were to give it himself, then people would call him uh, out for being favorable to this one or that one. So therefore he allows the sadhu to do it. And what do we know? The sadhu gives that out, gives that bhakti lata out. Uh, and the sadhika begins to culture and nourish that he has an aspiration now an aspiration planted by the intent of the sadhu so Srinvatam developing an urge to hear that message of the supreme Swakatha uh, Swakatha uh, Krishna this Katha is originating itself from Krishna there's the material universe and with the deliverance with, with the creation of the material universe the Lord is given, giving instruction first instruction is, is going to the the man in charge, Brahma. So he's enlightening Brahma. Brahma's first, you know, the Shruti begins very simply. Uh, uh, Tapa. Somebody talking to me here? Brahma's sitting on the lotus. He's looking, where's my source? 
And all he hears is an unembodied tapa. That's it. Okay. All right. Let me let me think about what's going on. Let me quit using my empirist uh, approach, crawling down in the lotus, looking around, who where did I come from? Who put me here? What am I doing here? Where's this lotus coming from? What was I doing here sitting on it? So he gives up that endeavor and he and he hears this, tapa, the beginning. And and he he, he started begins meditation. Well, okay. Let me try to let me not try to figure it out. Let me let me go in. Let me let me just uh, you know refrain from using an outward approach and take tapa in inward approach controlling controlling not using these senses because these senses didn't work I crawled down the lotus and there was I couldn't I couldn't find any source down there it's using my my senses my hearing my seeing my touching my ability to move and and I, I couldn't figure it out so the first word, Shruti, is there, Tapa, and he follows that. And eventually, everything comes to him, and he's able to, to move forward from that. He's, he becomes purified of that misconception of going outward to find out uh, what was in him all along. So Krishna eventually uh, rewards his Tapa and uh, reveals the transcendental realm to him and once seeing that transcendental realm he's able to work with the ingredients that he's provided with and give some facility um, albeit in a perverted way the material ingredients are not equivalent to the spiritual composition of Vaikuntha that's there but uh, he understands what his purpose is and he moves forward so Swakrishna, Swakatha Krishna. This Katha coming from Krishna originally, we call that Shruti, the Upanishads, these literatures that are actually considered the breath of the Supreme. Um, very codified, uh, these Upanishads. So generally, uh, we give a lot more importance to those people who have. Have going, who are the great mystics, who understand what's what's being presented and are able to put it in a way that we can grasp it with our limited intellect. So, um, what they provide, their explanations, uh, are there. Uh, we call that Shmriti. Great sages, they. They unfluff, they unpack uh, these uh, these Shruti verses, these Upanishadic verses, in such a way. And sometimes they they come out with they present us with with stories, narrations that really make it make it understandable. So we have the four Vedas, 
and then we uh, we have what's considered the fifth Veda. The fifth Veda is what? The Mahabharata. What is it? It's a, a huge, a huge story. But the story that's 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 ripe in spiritual understanding for the common man, because those four Vedas, he's going to have a hard time wrapping his head around. But understanding political intrigue and and uh, you know lustful relations and wanting to control the world. Oh, I got it. Yeah, I'm I'm into that. Tell me about it. Who wins the battle? Who becomes the king? Who gets the maiden? Who wins the, you know, who wins the gambling match? Yes, I want to hear all that. Tell me more, more. I can't get enough of it. And they can't get enough of it because there's some transcendental seed in there that uh, are, is coming from the sages and, uh, and it's very beneficial. Uh, and hidden away is a gem right in the center, Bhagavad Gita. What is it? Well, it's a Gita Upanishad. It's actually an Upanishad, but it's the supreme delivering an Upanishad in a as in as as simple of a way as he can. And still, that I mean, the commentaries come. There'll never be enough commentary on Bhagavad Gita. It's 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 so transcendentally filled. That what? At the end of the book, I'm thrilled at every moment. I can't hear enough of it, Sanjaya is saying, isn't he? I'm thrilled. Let's hear this conversation again and again and again. I'll never tire of hearing this conversation. So, Swakatha Krishna, Punya Shravana Kirtanam. So, just by this hearing, it's a virtuous activity. Um, and what happens? So, we're engaged in what? Bhajana Kriya. Bhajana Kriya, yes. Bhajana Kriya. Svakatha, Krishna. Our primary bhajan is Krishna Katha. So, and what happens? Krishna enters the heart. Hridyantastyo yadbhadrani vidunoti suhritsitam. So, Krishna is entering the heart. And what is the position? He's entering and he's purifying. Anartha nivritti. From anista, an unsteadiness in our hearing to a steadiness is coming because Krishna is coming into our heart under the direction of the Guru. He's coming. That's the good fortune. Normally, such coming into the heart of this one and not that one would be what? It would be showing in him some preference. Well, Krishna is equal to all. He equally so... The guru, just like the guru is inviting Krishna into what appears to be a material form, it is a material form until the guru invites him in and then all of a sudden, well, there's Krishna. Now I can do some service because all I have are material eyes. So Krishna is coming and 
all of a sudden he's purifying us. He's purifying us himself. So this verse is quoted, and, and then Wishernoth goes on, and he quotes the next verse. Some activity on our part in this purifying. Nasta priyeshu abhiyeshu nityam bhagavata seva. Bhagavata tamasloke bhaktir bhavati naistiki. So, we're, we are engaged in, in a process. Nasta priyeshu abradeshu. Through this practice, we come to the stage of nista. Nasta priyeshu abhiyeshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. Bhagavat Yutama Sloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naistiki. Naistiki. Steadiness. Practically everything is destroyed. All the bad elements are destroyed. Nasta Priyeshu Aviyeshu. How? Nicham Bhagavata Sevaya. Bhagavat Yutama Sloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naistiki. By rendering service to the Bhagavat, by hearing Swa Krishna, by hearing those literatures, then and what? Rendering service to the pure devotee. Two Bhagavats are brought up in this verse. Nastapriyeshu Abhiyeshu, Nicham Bhagavata Sevaya, Bhagavat Yutamashloke. Book Bhagavat, the person Bhagavat. So, these two, practically, practically everything is destroyed. Now, Vishwanath brought that out, hasn't he? In the third cloud bank. There's still some things that, practically all the Anarthas are gone by the stages, you know, advanced stages. If you can get to the stage of Nista, practically, the Anarthas are no longer a major impediment. Those Anarthas are what? Those are the manifestations of, of Tamagun and Rajagun in our practice. So, Vishwadat's quoting that. Previously, this is his prose, in the fourth cloud bank, Previous, previously, two kinds of bhajana kriya were mentioned. Anista and nista. Unsteady and steady practice. Bhajana kriya, swakrishna, hearing about Krishna. Two of them were, were mentioned. Anista bhajana kriya was described in six divisions. Six divisions meaning what we refer to as symptoms that are there in unsteady practice. Anybody remember the six symptoms? First one is initial enthusiasm. In the beginning we get really excited about, wow, I finally, I see a door, I see a way out of this place. That's exciting. And, and we, we I, I see a, I, such a prospect I'm seeing in my guru. He can actually, he can do, he's, he's got everything I need. And the devotees, and, and the practice, and the chanting, and it's, it's exciting and thrilling, and 
we're overwhelmed and we want to tell everybody we know about it, sometimes to our demise with our <laughs> we can destroy our social network real quick <laughs> in the beginning of our devotional life. Followed by what? Sometimes hot, sometimes cold. All right. Enthousi initial enthusiasm wore off and now well, sometimes I can get up and chant and be attentive and, and it's good for me and I know that and then sometimes it's like, what am I doing here? Maybe I should go back to my job. Uh, you know, I can only eat certain things here. Uh, you know, I so many things come and go. I want this, I want that. And then parading possibilities. Well, I do want to be a devotee. I do want to, but maybe there's a change I can make to make it easier. Maybe if I change something outside, it'll effectuate a change inside. So, maybe I should give up my wife. Oh, but if I give up my wife, and then we, we've gone through this. All these things come and we say, well, let me make this change. Let me renounce. No, let me enjoy householder life that I can renounce later in life. Or uh, maybe, I, maybe if I was the, uh, if I started to be a pajari and gave up, you know, my other service and, and took up, then I'd really be a good devotee. But what if I went out and became a preacher? If what if I became a good kirtan leader? And the parading possibilities, they, they just, uh, it seems, they don't end. They just keep on coming. Mm. And then he also mentions what? The fact that not only are those parading possibilities there, but... I'm starting to really have a bit of difficulty with my senses. Uh, you know, I, they keep coming back on me. They keep, these things keep popping back up. Lust, anger, greed. Uh, you know, I want wealth. I want, I, you know, and I have to, it seems like a battle. Is this Krishna consciousness a battle? Am I going to have to battle and fight my senses until I really become a devotee? Is this what it's all about? I don't think I can win this fight. And he's feeling we start some despondency there. I really can't win this fight. The senses are much stronger than I am. And then some humility. Let me cry out. Let me take help from somebody that can really help me. Let me take shelter of of the of the spiritual master. Let me take shelter of the holy name. Let me ask for help. We talked about in the last class how we have this misconception that we can, of our own volition, we're everything is, that's our, the result that we see in our spiritual life is the result of my work. And once we can get past that and realize we are here and we're striving for mercy, our work is to strive for mercy. Without the mercy, there will be no, no good outcome. We really, we, we have to apply ourselves, and we have to know how to ask for help and to be continually submissive. And therefore, Krishna says at the very end, just surrender unto me. Abandon all this so-called religion. Be honest with yourself. Be honest in your practice. I'll protect you. I'll nourish you. 
Do what's good for your devotion. Give up what's bad for your devotion according to your capacity. Realize that I'm maintaining you, that I'm protecting you. Be humble in your service and fully surrender unto me and know how to do it. And if you have any question as to how to surrender, then, then ask. You have good guidance. It's available to you. You're not alone. Then we also have another symptom of the unsteadiness is, boy, I, I, I promised myself starting on this Gorpur Neem, I am definitely not going to miss another round. They're going to be finished by the end of the day. I'm not going to to uh, to sleep in. I'm not going to this. I'm not going to that. I'm not going to look at women. I'm not going to look at men. I'm not going to I'm not going to run to Facebook first thing in the morning. I'm going to finish what I said I was going to do, and I was, was I was going to read 20 minutes before I even turned the computer on. I promised myself that, and then we can't do it. Unfulfilled commitments to ourselves. Maybe even to the guru. We just, we take on and we think we can do it and we just find out in the stage of unsteady practice, I can't do it. It's, that's the symptom of being unsteady. <laughs> that is anista bhajana kriya. Uh, try to become steady. Try to get past this, but don't become a, a you know, complete... Uh, basket case because of it. That's what unsteady means. You're probably not going to fall down a few times. Ask for somebody to help pick you up. Pick yourself back up. Uh, you know, a child trying to learn, you see how determined they are. They start taking the first few steps, but they're falling more than they're walking. But one thing about them, they keep getting back up. So that's that's the stage of that's our determination, and that has a, a, an important part in our practice. And then things kind of go our way once in a while. People like us as devotees; they like what we do, they like some service we perform, whatever that service may be. They give us some compliment. They give us some money. They give us some more facility. Give us some recognition, some profit, adoration, distinction. Now we start to surf on that. It's called riding the waves, actually. So, symptoms of unsteady practice uh, are there. Mm. So, Vishwanath has explained these. Uh, anista, cessation of an art. Whoa. So then he goes on, described in six divisions. Anista, Bhajna, Kriya, six divisions. He's given us six divisions. There's probably many more divisions. We're all the individuals. He's given us some general ones that seem to be pretty consistent with with everyone. Uh, but they are symptoms of the, of the disease of our unsteadiness. And not all symptoms present equally in everyone. So we, we don't look at these as stages. 
without describing the characteristics of Nista Bhajana Kriya, cessation of Anarthas was described. So, the author is saying himself, Vishwanath is saying, so I didn't jump from Anista Bhajana Kriya right to Nista Bhajana Kriya. I'm, I'm going to Nista now. But we first had to deal with one thing, Anarthas. And we dealt with them really extensively. So he's just telling you, we're reading, he's saying, okay, so you may think there's some break in, the, in, the, in the, my presentation here, but there's no way to, to deal with Anarthas unless you know what they are. So I gave you pretty in-depth understanding of what Anarthas are. Then he goes on. He explains it by what? By relying on the verse that he's quoting. This is because Srimad Bhagavatam, second chapter, first canto, verses 17 and 18, says, hearing and chanting of the glories of Krishna gives all auspiciousness. She, Krishna, is affectionate to the sadhus. And by entering into the heart of those who hear his glories, he destroys all kinds of auspiciousness. So who's doing the destroying here? Krishna is. He's entering your heart. Now, Vishwanath is pointing out the Anarthas, but what? Sheto Darpa Damarjanam. Glory to Sri Krishna Sankirtan, which cleanses the heart. Who's doing the cleansing? Krishna. So, by entering the heart of those who hear his glories, he destroys all kinds of inauspiciousness. By constantly serving Sri Srimad Bhagwat and the devotee Grantha Bhagawat and Bhakti Bhagawat, as we said, two kinds of Bhagawats the book Bhagawat and the person Bhagawat. Inauspiciousness is almost destroyed and one's attained steadiness in devotion to the Supreme Lord. Uttama Shloka The first line of the first verse describes Anista Bhajana Kriya. Srinvata Swakata Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtana So Anista, unsteady. We're just starting. After that, Nista Bhajana Kriya is described. In the two slokas, destruction of inauspiciousness refers to the destruction of Anarthas in the two kinds of Bhajana Kriya. Inauspiciousness is almost destroyed, means that some portion of Anarthas is still left. As he's explained in the third cloud bag, they don't all go away when we reach Nista. There's still some there. Some, some residue is left. And there's cleansing through the stage of Nista and Ruchi and Asakti. There's even still a little cleansing at the stage of Bhava. So, especially the Aparads. Very, very. If we commit an opera, it stays with us for a long time. 
and it, it, it takes a lot of chanting and, and, and repentance uh, on our part to really want to clear the apparats, to really want to, to overcome the ten obstacles to clear chanting. Offenses to Vaishnavas, offenses to the Guru, misunderstanding of the Shastra, all these things, committing sins on the strength of chanting. So we really need to learn these Namaparads and, and take a look at them regularly. How am I doing? And, uh, you know, because they, they stick. And if we, we commit one, it, it really it impedes our progress. And we can, we, can, we can fall prey to those offenses, those anarthas, which are aparads, we can fall prey to them even at the stage of bothering and praying. We can still fall prey. So it's good to know what they are thoroughly, to be thoroughly, thoroughly immersed in what are... What are these things that can do the, do the worst to me in my devotional practice? So, destruction of Osminicismus refers to the destruction of Anarthas in the two kinds of Bhajana Kriya, unsteady and steady. Right? Two kinds, Anista and Nista. Inauspiciousness is almost always all destroyed, means that some portion remains, according to the sequence of the verses, therefore, Nista Bhakti is now being described. So he's opening up uh, this section with this quote of these two verses, which are the foundation from the Bhagavatam, from which Rupa has drawn to give us the, the progressive advancement from Shraddha to Prem and that have been given by Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu and put in a digestible form by Bhaktivinoda Thakur in that he, where he correlates Sri Shaitanya's Saksastika verses with progressive devotional practice, bringing out from each verse how it correlates with a different stage. Um, so we went over Anarthas, how they, they, they fall away in five stages. Uh, from partial to absolute and there's four classes of them so he's dealt with all that now he is going to explain to us what are the symptoms of nista how can you tell if nista is if you're if you're getting close to nista what 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 will be recognizable by the sadhika and by other sadhus, the character of devotees who have actually come to Nista, that they're actually, you know, so. Um, 
these are interesting. And what what he does is he shows the things that that can be that are there in our practice at the stage of anista, and if we see that they're no longer hindering our hearing and chanting, then then we know we're 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 we're, we're getting somewhere. We're making some progress towards steady devotion. Are you ready for the five items? Nista means that which gives rise to steadiness. Due to the presence of grave obstacles, such as Laya, Viksepa, Apratipati, Kasaya, and Rasavada, which are very difficult to overcome, one cannot attain steadiness in devotion even after daily efforts. Every day. Every day we're getting up, we're engaging. So, where's the steadiness? So these obstacles are there. He presents the obstacles. After an arthanivriti, these obstacles are almost destroyed. Service to the devotees, service to the book Bhagavat, the devotee Bhagavat. They're, they're practically destroyed. And steady disappears in bhakti. Krishna's entered the heart. He's cleansed. He's, he's seen some sincerity on our part. And he's, he's, he's cleansing. Thus, the lack of these obstacles is the symptom of nista. Well, okay. What do these words mean? So he gives us a definition. Laya means the increasing tendency to sleep during chanting and hearing. We want to go back to bed. Or we're chanting and the name is not, it's just we're chanting and then we're not. Well, if that's happening, you're still at Anista Bhajana Kriya. So we have some, that's an obstacle. We need to get past that, falling asleep. So, Laya. I want to lie down. <laughs> Viksepa means the touch of material talks while chanting, hearing, and remembering. Oh, Facebook, where are you now? Village talk. We go to class. Before class, we're talking about this, that, and another thing. And after class, we go back to talking about this, that, and another thing. Japa. We chant our japa, and then afterwards, we're immediately, you know, out in the social network, but we're not looking for the spiritual stuff. Uh, you know, we're looking at the news, looking at that, this, that. So this this is an unsteadiness. This is a symptom. This is an obstacle that the people at Nista, they are not plagued by that. They don't need to go and watch a movie every afternoon like I do. <laughs> They're steady. 
they're fit. they only they're starting they they're they're getting really steady at this they're getting to a point where you know they'd rather read than than do nonsense they don't want to hang out with the people that are just talking about the rock and roll bands or this or that or talking about other devotees and how they're better than they are or worse than the, worse off or better off or this group or that group or this they're not they are nista means I want I want I want something substantial in my life. It's too short. I don't have enough time to do this other stuff. Like Pallad was telling his schoolboyed friends who were, you know, very young, you know, you're going to die any moment now. I'm probably 5 years old. What are you talking to me about dying for? Well, you could die immediately. Just stick around. My dad's going to try to kill me in a thousand different ways. Watch what happens. I could die. So, Nista means I know it. I'm convinced of it. And and it gives me some concern that I don't waste any time. So, Viksepa. Viksepa is the term. Touch of material talks. Uh, Apratipati. Even when I don't fall asleep and even when I'm not attracted to mundane talks or mundane actions, uh, village talk, prajalpa, we call it, Jalpa. Still, even when I'm able to keep those in at bay and just keep concentrated on my hearing and my chanting and my seva, my work, and, and not let those things interfere, I sometimes I can't keep my enthusiasm up. So this is the third item. A major obstacle to Nista. Apratipati. Apratipati. Still not fully enthused all the time. It's coming. We're getting close to Nista now. We're not sleeping. We're not we're kind of keeping 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 focused on spiritual subject matters in our life, not letting the material things grab our, our mind as much as possible but still enthusiasm is not coming that's the third kasaya means the appearance of old habits even though I'm here and I'm in the association of devotees and this all of a sudden I become lusty and it interferes I become greedy I become angry things aren't going my way so this is a steady, an obstacle that is a... These are all giveaways as to the fact that you're not yet at Nista. These are, these are, these just, they're writing on the wall that we're still at Nista. That's okay, you could be at Nista. We don't have to be, we don't have to be, but we need to know where we are. 
Knowing where you are is in itself an ornament for a devotee. Being honest with yourself, being honest with those around you, and wanting to advance a devotional service. You, none of you would be here if you didn't have this desire. So the fact that you're at this stage or that stage, at least you're in the game. It's a great achievement. There's billions and billions of, of jivatmas out there that have no interest. <laughs> and the last... Rasa Vada. There's still some desire to enjoy your senses. So at Nista, there's practically no desire for any sensual enjoyment. How does it manifest? Well, you know, I think we all know how sense enjoyment manifests and how we'd like to have this, like to have, you know. So. These five items, they are both, they are all five symptoms of the modes of passion and ignorance still affecting our chanting, still affecting our service. Lie is pretty easy to figure out. It's the mode of ignorance. Uh, Viksepa is the mode of passion. Wanting to engage in worldly talks after we're done with our bhajan. Immediately we run to that worldly talk because that's where we get a taste. So that's that's a passion. A pratipati, lack of enthusiasm. Again, uh, uh, talking about something that's coming from Tamagund and influencing our, our practice. Kasaya is the old habits, lust, anger, greed. Tamagund, again. I'm, I'm sorry, Raju Goon. Passionate desires coming across. Angry when we don't get what we want. And Rasavada, uh, even though we're trying to absorb our mind in chanting, these material thoughts are coming. These material desires are bubbling up from time to time. So those are the, the five obstacles which are, are an indicator indicators as to whether our practice is steady or unsteady. And we will stop there for this evening and we'll complete uh, the rest of this little section next class. Uh, and then we go on to Ruchi and see how the people there live. How are those devotees? What's, what's conducting them? What are their symptoms? So this is all a continuum. This is not it's just not like you're in, you're in little compartments. No, it's it's a, it's a, it's a it's a gradual gradual rainbow. Uh, this pro- progressive devotional life, although we're giving that it's, it's it's systematic, going all the way up to praying. Still, not everyone's not everyone's going at the same pace. Not everything's falling away. You may be steady in one place and unsteady in another. It's not the, you know, so uh, understand that also. It's an important point. I'll stop there. Are there any questions? Thank you for your association. Hare Krishna.